Welcome to the Fancy Fruit Podcast, dedicated to aspiring entrepreneurs who are stalling, sabotaging, or have even stopped building the business of their dreams. In every episode, we'll help you build your resilience muscle, grow your confidence, and motivate you to keep going and not quit. So let's get real, let's get transparent, and get ready to hang with me, your host, Tamika Smith, because I am your biggest cheerleader and I want to see you manifest the life of your God-given dream. And I'm going to do a shortened version of your bio and then we're going to get started. All right, let me put your bio up. Just All right, let me get myself together. Uh, you muted yourself. I wasn't sure if I go. would be the background noise or anything would be an issue. So, uh, Cheryl J. Muldrew McMurtry is an accountant, business consultant, financial educator, speaker, and senior executive. A native of Chicago, Illinois, Cheryl graduated from Fisk University. Hey, 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 HBCUs. Uh, the Howard's so HBCU love there in Nashville, Tennessee. May 1993, with a Bachelor of Science degree in accounting. After graduating, Cheryl relocated to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to, be- to begin her career at First Star Corporation, now U.S. Bank, as a financial analyst. Cheryl's career continued to flourish, providing her the opportunity to work for several for-profit and nonprofit organizations in southeastern Wisconsin, which includes Time Warner Cable. In March, in March of 2004, Cheryl founded McMurtry Financial Services, LLC, and serves as a president of the organization. With over 27 years of experience, Cheryl's mission is to strengthen the financial viability of small businesses, nonprofit organizations, and civic organizations locally and nationally. Cheryl offers an array of services that also includes financial education and seminars for small groups and civic organizations, including churches and schools. Cheryl is a member of the National Association of Tax Professionals and the African-American Chamber of Commerce, Milwaukee. She serves as the treasurer of the board of Artworks for Milwaukee and World Outreach Bible Training Center and a finance committee member of the Milwaukee Teacher Education Center. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> she is the lovely and finessing wife of her loving husband, Timothy L. McMurtry II, and has two beautiful children, Joshua and Layla. Welcome, Cheryl McMurtry, to the podcast. How are you? I am doing great. It's tax season, so very, <laughs> very, very busy. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's a good thing, you know, a really, really good thing. It's my time of year, my time mm-hmm. to shine. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Um, May need to talk to you about testing myself. I feel so proud. This is the first um, I launched my analytics company in 2019. In 2020, I actually like made money more than 600. Like you now, I'm kind of in the what do they call it? One, two, three, the four digits. So I'm yeah, proud of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, and I'm, yes, I have indeed. contracts coming. So it's like okay, I really need to like file taxes this year. So yeah, yeah I may need to um, take a couple of tips from you um, after right. the podcast. Yes. So you have your own business, but from reading from your bio, 
Um, you didn't start out as an entrepreneur. First, you went to Fisk University. Um, I'm sure you had a great experience as a, um, attending the HBCU. Absolutely. And then you went to corporate America. So can you talk about just like your journey of obtaining your degree, going into corporate, and then financial, um, shifting and deciding or that interest to grow into, hey, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. Right, right. Well, I always had a love for math. I thought I would be a math teacher. I was a mathematics um, major. Oh, see, uh-huh. math is absolutely phenomenal. You can do right. anything in life if you can do math. And my seventh and eighth grade math teacher, Miss V, absolutely love her. We're friends still on Facebook. She has kept in contact with as many of us as she possibly could, just inspired me. I mean, Mm -hmm. she could teach any concept and she longed for her students to understand and have this um, appreciation for math. And so I highly esteemed her and wanted to, you know, be a math teacher one day. And as I, you know, got into high school and looked at different careers and a guy I was dating was going into accounting and my dad kind of discouraged from going into the field of teaching because he said they just don't make much money and my dad was on a mission to get his student his kids to get college degrees and be financially independent that was his mission and so I'm like okay well if accounting is something that I can use my mathematical skills maybe that's something I'll go into, you know? And so my journey in college, by my junior year, I spent a lot of nights in that, you know, our, our, in, as a math major, I'm sure you're familiar, any of the technical fields, your books are just three, 400 pages, these thick, right. massive, big, large books. Um, or at least when I was in school, we still had to carry books. <laughs> a lot of the stuff is yeah. online now. And uh, so a lot of uh, the pages of my books had tears in them. It was just not easy (laughs) learning the field of accounting and the math is the easy part. You know, it's a science. It's a certain way things have to be booked to follow um, general accepted accounting principles. And so there's this science to accounting, which is how I ended up with a bachelor's of science degree. And so when I was in college, I was open to go anywhere in the United States. I just wanted to graduate with a job. And of all the places, I ended up with the best offer in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was- Yes, sure. where are you from? I'm originally from Chicago. Chicago, that's right. Yep. Chicago is in the bio. That's right. That's right. Yep. And then I went, you know, uh, Fisk University is in Nashville. And so I had an offer in Nashville and I had an offer in Milwaukee. But the offer in Milwaukee, being a financial analyst, was exactly in my career field and um was just the best opportunity and it was closer I was going to be closer to home so I'm like okay well this will be you know great you know and um then corporate America corporate America is no joke you know you learn a whole lot about life uh when you're out there and it's the real world and it's grown up and you've got to you know, you got to have some tough skin, you know, and come with it. But I had great favor um, in that career field. And, um, but I did, you know, come across people who had 
you know, their own businesses. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. But you heard a lot of horror stories about, you know, you don't know, you know, you work all these hours, you don't know if you, you know, a lot of business owners, one, their businesses don't make it beyond the first three years. Um, you can work a bunch of hours and not even make enough money to really have any profits to live on. And so in my mind, what's desirable about about being in right. business for yourself, you know, right. where I'm working, I've got a great income, you know, why would I want to launch out on my own? Yet there was this niche of business owners called small businesses, which can be classified as a business that brings in $5 million or less in revenue is considered a small business. And so many of those business owners just did not have the, the right information, the, the, the resources and, 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 and individuals to help support their sustainability. No accountant or bookkeeper, don't know day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month if they're making money or not. Um, they just had a passion went for it and um, a lot of them were struggling. And so I saw a niche where, wow, they could really use what I have. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I had some uh, company of people, my assistant pastor at my church, my sister, my husband that just really believed in me and was like, you can do this. That, you know, that group of people really needs what you have. And by this time, I had um, even switched over into the nonprofit world because I had gotten married, started having kids and wanted to be present in my kids life. And um, out in corporate America, I, it was nothing to do an 80 hour week. And I just couldn't do that, you know, and, and I've worked every holiday except for Christmas. And Christmas might be the only holiday I hadn't worked, you know, because month ends, right? You know, the month ends, there's always a holiday, the beginning of the month or the end of the month, you know, January 1st, beginning of the month, uh, Thanksgiving, end of the month, Memorial Day, Labor Day, you always had to close the, the book. Day, all of it. Uh-huh. Fourth of July, I've worked all of those holidays. And so I just wanted to be more present in my kid's life. And so I switched over to nonprofit, which isn't as intense and as deadline um, restrictive. And so um, that afforded me the opportunity to really have a well-rounded experience that I could then come alongside, you know, a small business owner and a, you know, um, nonprofit leader and be that support. But I wasn't convinced that I wanted to do that full time. <laughs> I'm like, because I didn't want to be that struggling business owner that couldn't pay yeah. her bills and couldn't eat, you know, and now I've got kids and, you know, yeah, right. You know, those things are important still. And so I was like, well, I'll do a little bit on the side. And that's really how things started. And um, it took off pretty quickly at first that that. 2004 people were thriving a lot of people were buying real estate flipping houses it was right a few years before the housing market crashed Mm -hmm. um and so people were really thriving in that industry and so there was great opportunity 
Um, but my kids were small and I was like, yeah, you know, this is requiring more. And so, you know, I played around with being an entrepreneur the first few years um, until I could really see this is really a, a gifting that I can bring um, to this sect of uh, people and mm. really just decided, you know what? Either you're going to play with this and this is just going to be a hobby that you do on the side, or you're really going to go for this and make it all that it can be because it has the potential to be something huge and go all in on it. And so when I went all in on it, you know, opportunity just opened up, but it took a while for me to, you know, because I was trained. You go to school. Right. I'm from that generation. My parents are from the generation. You know, they didn't get the opportunity to necessarily to get a college degree. My dad got his degree the same year I graduated high school. Wow. And so to get a college degree was just an honor in right. my parents' generation. And then you get with a company and you work for them for 30, 35 years, 40 years till you retire. Right. And so to become an entrepreneur just wasn't the mindset that I was conditioned to think from. Mm -hmm. And so I was conditioned to work for somebody else. But um, now that I'm out here and I get to set the culture for my company, mm -hmm. um, I get to make some of those key critical decisions. I get to, um, you know, be the one leading and um, providing the type of service plan that we're going to offer. It's an honor. And now, you know, I'm getting ready to start hiring a, a couple people because business has grown and I've, I've you know, oh, stepped God. into the space. Let's let it be as big as it can this, be, you know, know right. <laughs> that now to be able to have a, a company that sustains more families besides my own. What an honor and a privilege. So, you know, yeah. being an entrepreneur, being in business for yourself is all about perspective and which lens you're looking at things through, you know, um, is it just something I'm doing on the side because I enjoy, you know, making this product, providing this service? Is this something that I'm looking to leave a legacy to my children? Um, to create something generational for my family? Is this something that I'm looking to make great impact in the earth and sustain other families? And, you know, which lens are you looking at it from? And that's the lens that you can work. I love that you said that. One thing that you said was that you saw it as a gifting. And I want to ask, um, when you arrived at that realization that this is a gifting, it sounds to me that then you're going to approach a business differently than just seeing like this is the opportunity just to make some extra money, uh, which is wrong, nothing wrong with like just doing something to make extra money. But was there a difference in how you perform, how you approach things when you recognize that this is a gifting? Um, and then two, um, when did you realize it was a gifting and more than just like a side hustle? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for sure, you. I I believe that you definitely work your business different um, when you can see what you're doing 
going beyond yourself and what you get to benefit from it. And so, you know, some people, money motivates them. I don't know who money doesn't motivate. I don't know people who like to be broke, you know? So (laughs) having a little bit more money in your pocket is definitely motivating. It motivates you to do something more than what you was able to do before, you know, you had the resources. And so we all can be motivated to a degree by money, but to do something solely for the purpose of getting a little extra cash in your pocket, then that's that's as big as it'll become, is just large enough to put a couple of extra dollars in your pocket. But when you start looking at it as I have something that I can render that I can provide to someone else so that they're better and then that produces not only for them but for both of us now you're shifting over um, I think more into your your mission and your passion behind why you're doing it because a few extra dollars in your pocket may when things are tough when you're physically exhausted in your body and somebody is, you know, looking for your service, looking for your product, and there's a decision of push a little further or not, you know, money becomes that, is it worth it anymore? But when you can, when you realize, if I don't do this, now they don't have something that they need to do what they do, it's, it'll pull you out the bed. You know, it's the thing that'll pull you versus what's driving you. And it just causes you to take things a little bit further, to do a little bit more, to do it a little bit better, to stick in there, you know, to weather the storms, um, to stick in there when, you know, you're, you're new to this business and, you know, you're feeling that, that angst of, will I make any money? Well, sometimes it doesn't click right away and profits aren't coming through the door right away. Do, are you doing what you do based on how much is coming through the door or what it is that you get to do that's impacting somebody else long enough to stick in there till the money does start coming through the door? So it really does, it, it can be that choke point mm-hmm. for a lot of people if you stop with, this is how much money I make. Um, because there are ebbs and flows. There are seasons where things are just overabundantly coming through the door. You know, opportunities are calling you all the time. And then there's times where the phone isn't ringing as much, you know. So um, is what you're doing going to sustain you through those seasons where the phone just ain't ringing as much, you know, but I know this is what I'm called to do. I know I've got something that's making a difference and I'm going to keep working it, keep improving it and staying in the game, you know? Yeah. So So. um, that's one of my beliefs is that um, me as an entrepreneur and the business that God has given me is my God given assignment. And when I realized that this is my God-given assignment, one of many, um, and because it's a God-given assignment, you, you put value on how it's impacting others. When you are having those moments where you're not making money, I'm not making any money from the podcast yet. I'm not a millionaire from the podcast yet, so to speak. Yes. But um, when you have that shift or your mind is made up that this, this is a gift and just far beyond me, then 
um, how you value the work you're doing is no longer based on how it affects you, but how it affects others. And yeah. I think that's the difference that you're saying there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you know I've made impact. So now yes. you get, that's the reward you get, even when the money isn't coming in um, to the degree that it will in the long run, you know, you've got that to hang on to and it keeps you grounded. You know, now you're not making decisions solely based on, you know, how much money you can make where, you know, because that could, that could compromise integrity and all kinds of things. If that's the, the main driver for why you do what you do, but when it's about making impact and adding value to someone else's life. One, people can see that authenticity that you're just not in this to, you know, make an extra dollar, but you're actually, you care about what right. you're doing and improving my life. They tell other people about that. And, right. you know, right. they appreciate that. And that's what people are looking for. They're looking for people who care. Are you in the business right. because you care? And so it'll just take you a lot further. And, and, and it takes, it took me a while to even see the value in what I was doing. Mm. Um, it took me a while to see that, you know, is this making a difference? You know, how is this making a difference? And so it was some of where I struggled as a business owner because I was looking at the systematic thing that I was doing, you know, an accountant, you know, and then getting frustrated that other people didn't understand what I was doing. So they didn't see the value in it. Well, they're not going to see the value if you don't get the value and the real impact that you're making, you know? And so it took a while for me to even see, you know, I knew they needed me, you know, but where, where is the value added? And when I started working with people who, you know, I would, you know, share, a, you know, something that they needed to get completed. And they had no idea that they even needed to do that. They never heard it before. And they had been with larger firms in the city that was, you know, servicing them, but didn't care to educate them, mm-hmm. didn't care to kind of hold their hand and make sure they knew certain things. And when I realized that's your value added, that you don't mind explaining, you don't mind educating your client, you don't mind um, making sure they understand the why behind the what, and Mm -hmm. that, you know, people valuing that and realizing it wasn't happening everywhere, that's when I realized, okay, you've got something that is extra in the way that you're providing a service that they're not getting everywhere there's your value added you know and then just realizing that there wasn't a lot of people around doing what I do being an African-American woman Mm -hmm. in our city um and that cared to do it the way that I was doing it and once I recognized that, I began to value what I was bringing to the table a lot more. And that's what then became that drive that I've got to help more, as many people as I can, because people aren't getting what I'm giving. 
And that's making a huge difference in my clients. So who else needs what I have? You know, and that's kind of the hunt that I'm on these days. Who else needs what I have? What ways can I get out here? As many seminars and workshops and places that I can go to add that value, to educate, to equip a business owner and an organizational leader with information. I'm all about that. Who needs it? (laughs) That's who I'm looking for. (laughs) I love that. So I I think in your own way, you just explained how you kind of made the shift from side hustle to small business owner. And a key part of that, what I'm hearing is that you were able to take yourself more seriously when you understood the value that you were providing. And I know that's an a question that they like to throw out to new entrepreneurs like you know what sets you apart in the market sometimes we don't understand that or it takes getting out there a little bit to truly see that for ourselves and when you do recognize that this is the value i'm bringing i'm delivering it differently than what i'm seeing in the market that would help you to set you apart and also that helps to for you to take your business more seriously and contribute to the growth so I yeah. totally agree with that. And that's exactly why I'm, the position I'm in now, be in the data analytics field, many people don't understand that. So I do have to do a lot of explaining to share the value. And just like your story, there aren't many Black women who are doing it in this, in this industry. There aren't many Black women who have their own firm trying to do this as a small business. So right, I right. understand. Um, I want to go back to, so like now get into your journey where you're making the shift to entrepreneur. Um, it seems like, or maybe I'm oversimplifying it, once you decided to take this seriously, you understand the value you're bringing, you recognize it's a gift, it seemed like maybe you had a little bit of an overnight success, like things immediately started to work in your favor. Was that the case? Um, that's not the case for many of us, but sometimes it does happen. <laughs> so like, was it a bit of an immediate takeoff once that should happen for you? And then I know you also said that then the housing crash came as well. So tell us about that jump off period when you made the shift, you start taking it more seriously and tell us about those glory years in the beginning, so to speak. Yeah, well, there were, it took off right away. So there was the glory in the beginning and it's like, woohoo. Then, you know, I have rebuilt this business two times since I started it. (laughs) twice you know the first time was um you know a choice I made because like I said I I I didn't quit my day job um so I was doing that part-time um working at a a school um as their financial manager when I first launched the business and then I had a newborn baby and a four-year-old and so it was a lot of balls to juggle And I was just like, I can let this business piece go, even though things are taken off. It was just that they took off too fast, you know, quicker than what I anticipated. And I'm still working this day job and I still was battling that mindset, you know, of that's a secure check coming in, you know, uh, every other week versus me having to, you know, trust that clients will pay their invoice you know so I kind of shut things down and um didn't relaunch it again until 2013 and in 2013 I had the opposite experience it was tough 
I'm out marketing and letting people know. And a lot of people were in a different position where they weren't, you know, doing businesses themselves because, you know, it was digging themselves out of that housing marketing crash and just trying to rebuild their lives. And so it mm-hmm. took uh, how many months? About 10 months before wow. that, you know, bigger client clicked in and things were tough. And at this time, I walked away from the job. And I was like, I'm going in. So and- you walked away from the job in 2013 to relaunch it thinking like, oh, it's going to pop off the way it did in 2004. Yes. And then there's a rude awakening 10 months. Money's <laughs> not coming. Money's not coming. Uh, savings is dwindled out. Bills are due. The ones that I'm helping my husband with. Oh, so the pressure was on. And yeah. um, believing in yourself is major, you know. Oh my gosh. And just knowing, you know, the right opportunity is going to break at some point, you know, and I was at this debate about, well, should I go back to corporate America? You know, the the pressure was on and it's amazing, you know, opportunities that just come your way. I was in a grocery store line and a guy in front of me, you know, I wasn't paying attention to him at first, I'm using a gift card that somebody had blessed me with, you know, to get the stuff I'm getting. And, you know, I'm putting things on the conveyor belt and then, you know, I, I'm done and I happen to look up and just observe, you know, what was happening. And so the, the guy in front of me, I looked at him, you could tell that, you know, life was difficult for him. Clothes were a little dingy and he was just trying to get a few items and he didn't have enough money. Now, in this moment, my phone starts to ring, but I'm, you know, trying to think, oh, man, you know, he needs something to eat. The, the lady checking him out was getting a little, you know, impatient because now her line's getting held up and he's trying to figure out what he can get. And, you know, she's mouthing to me, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, okay, how much does he need? And then as I ask that question, I'm like, how much money do I have? You know, how <laughs> I'm in line using a gift I'm card. I'm trying to help you, but I need to help me too. <laughs> and it was like, in that moment, you've got this money sitting over in this account, pay for his food. And mm-hmm. so I told her, I got, I got the rest. You know, it wasn't even much. He had some, a couple bananas, some, you know, um, hot dogs, just little easy food because he didn't have much. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to let this man walk up the door and he don't have what he needs. So I'm like, I'll get the rest of his and mine, you know, and I'm thinking, thank God I had enough just to do that. And I get to my car and I'm like, who was calling me? Mm-hmm. And I listen to the voicemail message and it's someone that I have been a business relationship that we have been in this courtship, getting to know each other for about six months. And Ooh, they decided mm. we want to use you to do our financials. And they were, you know, not a huge organization, but they were bringing in somewhere between $500,000 and $700,000 a year. So that was going to be a pretty good contract. And it was yeah, that yeah. one 
you know, opportunity that I had just been encouraging myself. You just need that one break, that one kick the door in opportunity and it'll start, you know, going from there. And I was like, God, thank you for an opportunity to help somebody else in a time where I didn't have much, but I took what I had to help somebody else, not knowing that in that very moment, my phone was ringing with the door opening opportunity I needed to get this business going again, you know. It's like so, a pursuit of happiness moment. <laughs> it really was. As I sat that car and I bawled like a baby, you know, it was like, thank you, Jesus, because the pressure can be real, you know, especially when you go all in with the business that you're starting and you've put everything you've got on the line and you're waiting for that thing to catch, you know, it's, you know, it's called the meantime for a reason, you know, the time is pretty mean, you know, (laughs) when you're, you're waiting between opportunities, you know, between blessings. And it's like, the pressure is on to give up, to throw in the towel, to say, forget it. See, you should have just stuck with that day job. Well, there was no day job to go back to. And so uh, having that, you know, rebuilding that, rebuilding the job at that moment really allowed me to realize that I can survive. I'm tougher than I think. Mm. And so, you know, if I'm ever in a situation where things are, you know, uh, lean again and I don't have much, it won't take me out. And so Mm -hmm. I was able to prove that to myself. And so um, the, the last time I've had to rebuild this business, there was this grand opportunity with a nonprofit organization and I was going to be their operations director. And so I scaled my business back to step into this role because still wanting to make that impact, still hadn't discovered fully the value that I was adding with my business. I went and I took that opportunity and it didn't fare the way any of us thought it would. And the founder and director had just determined I'm going to let everybody go and I'm going to re you know flip the script change things around figure out what isn't working after 10 months and I'm like oh my god I scaled my business back to do this and 10 months later I don't have a job you know Mm. and so um but I had the experience that it could take a while it won't take you out. It won't kill you. You've got what it takes. And that that last time of rebuilding the business, it caught like fire. You know, I had the confidence. I, you know, knew what it, what it took for things to actually work and um, was able to rebuild it. And then I had the value of there's something in your hands that God has given you to do. You've got to you know, a skill set, a talent that will produce for you. Don't you ever put anything ahead of your business's vision and dreams. You stick with it. You stay committed to it. You work it and see it through to the end, you know, and sometimes it's just that journey. Some of us 
take, you know, there's confidence building we may need, um, figuring out the right um, service plan, um, figuring out the right price point. Sometimes we, you know, just aren't um, marketing to the right group of people for what it is that we do. Sometimes you got to just go back, regroup, come back to it again. You know, some a lot of successful business owners have gone bankrupt mm. multiple times. They tried it, it didn't work. You know, they tried it again, it didn't work. They tried it another time and it caught. And so um, I think to be an entrepreneur, you definitely have to have a, I don't quit mentality, you know? <laughs> I, I want to dig into that. I definitely want to dig into that. So um, going back to those 10 months, we had to, we launched out a second time in 2013 and it was 10 months before you had that big break. Yeah. How in the world did you manage or what did you do? Um, um, what was your approach to not quitting while you were waiting in that meantime for something to hit? Like, because so many of us are just like, we're struggling and we just give up on ourselves before that opportunity comes but you did it. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's very hard to learn to wait, stick it out, keep trying. And the key thing that you said is that you believed in yourself and you just knew you just had to wait for the right opportunity to come. But that could, that took almost a year. So yeah. how did you manage to wake up every day and choose not to quit waiting, so to speak? Like, can you talk about how you maneuvered those 10 months? Well, not every day did I wake up believing in myself. There that, you go. Yeah, yeah. Let's get let's yeah. get real about that. Uh -huh. There were days I woke up, um, there was some fear. There were days that I woke, you know, I cried. Um, there were days that I even put job applications in. And um the doors just weren't opening anywhere else either. Mm. And it was just like, okay. Like, okay, let me get back into corporate. It's like, no, right, right. And that wouldn't open either. So I'm looking like, okay. And I think sometimes what we don't realize is that we are tougher than what we realize that we are. And that I that needed to be proven to me. And I just didn't realize it was my process of proving myself to myself um, because, you know, it's like, oh, the thought of not having, you know, all of the money to cover my bills. No way, you know, like my savings is going to run out, you know, no way. I'm not positioning myself like that, you know, yet here I am, you know, so it's, I had to defeat those thoughts, uh, defeat the thoughts of um, being a failure that I'm not, this isn't working. And it's like, okay, what am I gonna do? The opportunities over here, though, that isn't opening up. I stepped out in this. I have people that believe in me. I have my husband, I have my pastor, I have my sister. My sister back in 2003, she was in grad school getting her MBA. And because I had this idea, she and her partner used my business 
as their project and we worked on the business plan for it. So I had tangible evidence that this could work, you know, mm -hmm. and I knew that it did before. So it's not that what I offer isn't needed and it won't work there. It just has to be that it's just the right opportunity hasn't come. And mm -hmm. so I had to do a lot of self-talk. You really got to talk to yourself and encourage yourself and get a group of, you know, if it's just one or two other people that believe in what you're doing and surround yourself with those individuals that can lock arms with you and be a source of encouragement with you. And so it really was self-talk you know, those moments where it was low, those moments when I'll do, go do something else, you know, oh, something else isn't even working. Mm -hmm. I can't, can't throw in a towel, you know, I've got children, I've got, you know, responsibility, something has to work. And so you gotta, you gotta talk to yourself about it and, and, and give yourself the right way to think about it. And, believe in what it is that you're able to do it's like if nothing else works I know I can do this you know if it's making quilts if it's baking pies and you know every time I make this peach cobbler everybody's asking for it well the question is isn't whether you make great peach cobblers so that it, if anything mm -hmm. tell yourself I still make the best peach cobblers in the world and somebody is the right person is going to taste this peach cobbler and is going to bust this business wide open it's just like giving yourself that right language to tell yourself until it clicks you know and that's that's, that's what got me through <laughs> the way my mind works is that okay this is not working i'm doing something wrong i need to change it and not right. to like, hey, no, when I launched out, this was a great idea and I believed in it. And, but I'm just so like, okay, I need to fix it. So let me shift what I'm doing versus like being resolute and like, no, this idea that guy gave me, I'm standing on it. I just have to rate and you're building tons of muscles. You're building the confidence muscles, self-belief, yes. you're building resilience, all of that during that time. But um, I definitely encourage entrepreneurs to listen to this just because, you know, you haven't hit that customer yet or whatever, that opportunity hasn't come. It doesn't mean um, that your product or service is not what's needed or the golden ticket. And that's what I had to learn about myself. Like, don't change what you're trying to offer. Okay, this podcast is really going to help people. It's growing slowly, but don't change it. Analysts, people using their data, don't change that even though it's taking some time, but I'm just like, okay, how do I need to fix it? How do I need to maneuver it? And you, um, one encouraging thing from what you're saying is that you never doubted what you offer, what you brought to the table. It right. wasn't that at all. But sometimes right. you feel like maybe we're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. It really isn't all, sometimes it's not, a lot of times it has nothing to do with that. What you do is great. It is literally just the timing. And, yeah. you know, something that I also did was 
I said, okay. And, and I did assess, I do assess. And I look and I say, what can I do? Can I do something different? And I recognized in it because we can glean some things that we can do different. And it sometimes isn't about the product or the service we provide. It's about the behaviors that we carry out. I am never, I've never been one who has enjoyed networking type events and opportunities. My husband can go and work a room. I, you know, and when, yes, when I'm with him, I just let him work it and I just wait for him to introduce me. And it was just easy to do it that way, but to show up in a space by myself where I've got to meet people and talk about myself I had avoided that for many years. And I thought about that. And it's like, if you're trying to get out here in a greater way and you want people to know about what you do, you're going to have to do something different. The something different wasn't the quality of service I provided because that was great. It was you're going to have to meet some different people, you know, you've tapped out the people, you know, so you want to get out there further. You're going to have to get yourself in spaces where you don't know anyone, you know? And so I pushed myself out of the nest to say out of my comfort zone. And I went to a couple of places where I had to put the big girl undies on, go into that space meet some people, talk about myself and um, be okay with it and not feel uncomfortable and, and exercise that muscle of confidence. And every space that I went into and I had made it that purposed effort, I built relationship and I gained a client, at least one client, if not more. And so doing something different than what I had been doing, taking a different approach to make connections does pay off. And so sometimes that assessing and saying, what can I do differently is very beneficial. And it may not have anything to do with the product or the, the service you provide, but your behaviors. What am, what am I comfortable with? You know, and pushing yourself to do something that you're not typically comfortable with and seeing what that will produce for you. And so for some people listening, it just may be, you know, putting yourself in a different space, in a different company of people that you don't typically engage with and meeting somebody new. And uh, are you an introvert? Um, well, now, my understanding is an introvert is someone that gets energized um, by other people, but they re-energize, well, they get energized by other people, but they, they, they oh. get their, they, like, they re-up on their energy by being alone versus alone. Yeah. Gets their energy from being with people. So I am actually an extrovert. Okay, but you didn't, because I was going to ask, like, okay, let's talk about networking as an introvert, but you're an <laughs> extrovert, but you didn't like the idea or concept of networking. So yep. can you share some, like, tangible tips for us, for, like, for those that, like, need to get out of our head, or we just, we have to do what you do, we got to do some things differently. <laughs> what are yep. some of the tangible tips, and I can't say, like, oh, it's from an introvert perspective, but 
the, the thing is, you, it still wasn't something you were looking forward to doing. So what yeah. are some tips? tips that you can share with us that we can say okay I don't like networking either but I gotta do it <laughs> right yeah because I love like this conversations with people let's go out for a good meal and sit down and talk and we could sit for two three four hours I've sat in the restaurant right. with the girlfriend for six hours and it was just that great conversation but to go in a space where I don't know anybody and it's not personal and then I've got to sell mm -hmm sell myself. I hate the used car salesman pitch type engagements. And that's how I viewed networking events. It's like those and stand in a room and hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Well, what do you do for a living? That type of thing. It just wasn't authentic to me. Um, and so I kind of looked as different, um, events and things would come across my email um, that weren't quite as large was kind of how I got myself more comfortable with it. Um, so more intimate type settings that were more specific. So um, the Wisconsin Women's Business Initiative Corporation has um, strong coffee and women. So mm -hmm that's an event where they, you know, you can come in, you can do some networking. It's for women entrepreneurs. So I'm just in a room with women. So I don't have to work the woman, the man, you know, so it just yeah, yeah. takes out one group of people, you know, so yeah. it, it's, it lessens, you know, that um, reach that I have to do. And um, it's geared around women entrepreneurs women business leaders. And so that's just one small group of women. So I said, okay, I can identify with that. There'll be other people in the room like me. So now it's just a matter of, you know, hey, what do you do? Are you, you know, what business do you have? And strike up that conversation. And so it's finding a space where you feel like maybe I can fit into that room where I can have an authentic conversation with others in that space. And that'll make it less um, anxious for me to attend them or to go. And so I found events like that where I could find myself or see myself um, like others in the room. Mm -hmm. And that made it a little bit more comfortable until I got used to, okay, it's actually more pleasant because be yourself, you know, I don't have to be like what I think someone is looking for. Um, people are looking for authentic people that they feel like they can identify right. with and say, okay, there's some type of connection and you have something I need or something I've been looking for. This is the perfect fit. And it happens more organically that way. And so it's getting out of your head about what you think it's supposed to be and just mm -hmm. showing up, being yourself, striking up conversation. You don't have to sell yourself and force somebody mm -hmm. to want what you have. Just be natural, you know, have a conversation. An intelligent conversation goes a long way, you know. And so it got easier the more that I did it. So I think if you can find a space where you see yourself and feel like, okay, 
I can connect with other people in this space because we have something in common. It makes it a lot easier to do. Absolutely. Networking is a trained skill. And I mm -hmm. think if we haven't done it yet or mastered it, we can really like get in our heads about what this event's going to be and we make it bigger <laughs> than what it is. And so that approach of let me start something that's a little bit more smaller where I feel like I can be myself, but it's still networking. But then you learn to build that muscle and you truly understand what it is. All those stories and misconceptions you built up in your head that comes down so now you can go in the room with a thousand people and you recognize there's just more people but i'm still operating the same and the truth is yeah we're people are looking for authentic people just like we are right we <laughs> ourselves um in those type of in the smaller environment we can learn to be ourselves in the bigger environment because it's just more people but exactly yeah, but it, it definitely gets in our head like and that's in any type of new social interaction right we get in our head we make it more than what it is and we don't know how to be comfortable once we learn how to be comfortable then we can graduate into those larger spaces so thank you for bringing but i think that, that yeah and i think that's important too even on its social media platforms um mm -hmm. because i just um connected with someone that i'm getting ready to work up a contract for today and send and they're in in maryland and they told me i've, I've just i've been watching your posts on social media and so even wow. with that right i was like oh wow. what is that paid off after doing that for some <laughs> months of feeling like does this does this really even matter you know but it does because you know we always say well it's not about what you know it's about who you know well i think it's not always about who you know but who knows you yeah, absolutely. because when someone has a need, you want them to know that you exist mm -hmm. and you have what is what they're in need of. And so it's important to have a present, to be present wherever you are. But in being present, be present, being authentically who you are, because people can they can see that whether you're physically in a room with them, whether you're on Zoom, whether you are making posts, where is it where they can feel like, okay, this is someone that I can connect with that'll understand what I have need of, that will patiently walk with me. They're looking to judge you mm -hmm. sometimes more than they are your skill set. You know, it's like, okay, you're an accountant. I expect you to know accounting, but are you an accountant that's willing to work with someone who don't know anything about money management, don't understand anything about bookkeeping, doesn't know anything about, you know, their, um, you know, um, financial statement and won't judge me that my taxes are behind and they're not going to beat me up are they are their post condescending or are they yeah. you know understanding and you know they're looking to hear the message in the message and so that authenticity is so important because people are trying to build relationships even though it's prof professional in a way that they feel comfortable to to lock arms and partner with you and what it is that you do. And so it's real important in all communication um, medians to be very authentic and be yourself. 
Thank you for sharing that. Um, before I let you go and going um, continue in that arm of authenticity, uh, one thing that you shared um, when you were telling your rebuild journey um, that stood out to me that also I think we can take some tangible tips because we haven't learned to master this muscle or it can be uncomfortable or it can feel like we're being fake is when you said that um, you spent six months in courting a relationship before a contract manifested. And some of us, for me, I'm always, for whatever reason, I'm just like instant oatmeal. Things need to work out immediately. I'm great. I know I'm great. You should get that. So <laughs> hire me to book me, right? But that's yep. just not how it works. I know there's a sale to life cycle, so to speak. Um, and I think that's also something that we as new entrepreneurs can better understand. It's like, what did that look like to court a relationship for six months? What are you doing? Are we sending out marketing items over and over again? How do we handle those conversations so we don't feel like we're always like hounding them for opportunity or for a right. contract every time we see them? Can you um, delve into that some more before we wrap up today? Right. That could um, happen in a, a couple of different ways because I've had, I've, I would say courted a number of clients that I have. Um, in that particular instance, you know, I, I met them, I met um, the two, the founder of the organization, the president of the organization, and we talked and they, you know, it came back in and met the rest of the team and they wanted to hear ideas of how I would do things. Then, um, couple months went by, they had a special project that was only, you know, a two or three, two two, three, two to three week project. So I did that project for them. And they got to the, you know, through doing that project, they got to see the quality of my work. So it was just, you know, this little bit at a time checking me out. So I've yeah. gone through that type of process of a courtship. Then um, some clients, you know, you have that initial meeting, they get their feel for you. They're hearing, you know, what you do, how you do it, what your prices are. And then they want to kind of wait that thing out and just see. And so what I have is I have a monthly newsletter where I'm just touching my clients and anyone who's shown interest in my, you know, organization, and I add them on to the newsletter, and thank God nobody takes their name off, no one's unsubscribed, mm -hmm. um, and so, because I only send it once a month, so I'm not hounding them and sending emails two, three times a day, you know, because I don't like that, <laughs> so I treat people like I want to be treated, you know, once a month, a little touch with quality information, you know, tax deadline dates, um, you know, here write-offs, if you are a small business owner, things that people can take and actually utilize them and it can add to them. And I've had individuals that have just, they've seen those newsletters, they'll comment, great information, still haven't engaged services. And then out the blue, they'll get another news, you know, that's just a newsletter or hit. Let's let's move forward on some things, mm -hmm. you know, can we make an appointment? And they've just been watching and they've just been seeing where is that value added? 
And so um, there's different approaches to that courtship that you can initiate and sometimes they'll initiate. And it's just consistently doing you, understanding what your quality added is and um, doing your best work. And people sometimes just need some time to make sure that the decision they're making when they're picking you is a great decision. And so you always got to show up ready, show up doing your best Mm -hmm. and show up doing you and people, people, people appreciate that. And eventually um, they will move it from I'm checking you out to really engaging your services. I've had people who have gone and tried other folks just to see, you know, maybe that other firm had a little less, they were a little less expensive, you know, fit into the price range a little bit better. Yet that value added that I offered just wasn't there and they wound up coming back my way. And so staying true to who you are, what you do, doing it well, I think is what will get you the win during those those moments of courtship. <laughs> I'm not the idea of a newsletter because I was just thinking about, you know, TikTok, I mean, Clubhouse is all the way right now, right? And it's a great opportunity to network and meet people you never would have come across. Right. And um, in my case, I've had it where some people reach out, um, they're interested um, in what I'm doing as far as the analytics space. And I'm um, in Clubhouse, I always offer, hey, I'll do a 30-minute call to assess your business and just talk about the opportunities, possibilities available with data. We have those conversations. I even had some people that were interested in like, oh, this sounds good. Let's talk about next steps. And we have that great initial conversation. Then I don't hear back. And I'm just like, do I follow up? And like, hey, I'm waiting to hear back from you. But like, I'm like, I'm not even sure how to word that, so to speak. Right. Um, but some people were like, we're very excited <laughs> when we're having the conversation and we'll pass yeah. my name on and talk about the opportunities. And then I'm just waiting so I'm like should I just continue to wait do I send something out do not continue to wait you follow up with them you know you give them a week or two and you're like they never never reached out yeah and hey even if it's a month it's like you know I met you on clubhouse you you know were pretty enthusiastic you're excited about the information Um, You did share that you wanted to connect and I'm just following up to see if you're still interested um, to learn more about what you um, are looking for, what your needs are and how, you know, I am able to uh, support what you're in need of and you just put it out there, but always do that follow up, you know, to just you know, and if then if they don't respond or they're not interested, I don't push beyond that, but I do do a come back around. Um, and then I do add them to, you know, I that, that monthly newsletter, you know, I create in MailChimp and just send that out. And okay. at least they're getting that touch, you know, every month. And so maybe, you know, just financial situation, something may have happened that they feel like, I'm not quite ready to move forward as great as that information is. And I don't, they don't know how to say that, you know, Mm -hmm. but as long as I'm constantly touching them when they are ready, I'm the name that comes to mind first. And that's what you want to always keep them, keep you, keep you on their mind. 
And it's a really nice way to do it without being pushy is to have some type of, you know, communication where it's general and it's not, you know, um, singling them out where it's like, good gracious, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm just on a list with a whole bunch of people, but your name is always the name that comes first. So never be too timid about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do that follow-up. That's good because we have the conversation. Um, I've had one person that they actually identified, okay, just tell me when to use you. So and so, uh, send me your information, your prices. And I did all that. And then it's like, okay, I didn't hear anything. So um, I definitely would do the follow up. And I like the idea of the newsletter. I'm definitely going implement, to implement that because that still keeps me in their mind to consider. And that also gives me an opportunity to kind of flex some of my knowledge and skill set. In my quality of work without them even having booking me yet. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then we got this thing called spam. And I have found several times that my email, especially when there isn't that regular email back and forth, and it may just be, you know, a reach out and then I'm following up, that it ends up in their spam. And they didn't even realize they had it. So sending one more, you know, <laughs> just yeah. kind of sometimes triggers it. It may get through and they realize I missed something. I didn't get it. What? Well, here, I can resend it if you're still interested, you know. So one more follow-up isn't too pushy, you know. It's just, I'm just confirming. I sent, you know, price quote, a list, you know, just want to make sure you got it. If you have any questions. Then if they don't respond, okay, I'm done. You know, <laughs> I'll just put them on the list and, and take it from there. So sometimes it takes a little bit of, a little bit of follow-up. I won't say push because we don't want to push anybody, but just a little extra follow-up, a little extra right. touch. <laughs> and I guess it's part of sales life cycle too. It takes a couple of touch points before yeah the transaction happens so I just have to embrace that and do my yeah. part so yeah um, it's I, it's, I, a, it's a lot of work it's a lot of work sometimes it's like whoo you know <laughs> yeah, absolutely it is work yeah well this has been so good and we haven't even touched on money finances and entrepreneurship <laughs> so I would love to have you back for a part two with you to yes. dig into the money side um but just sharing your journey and your in those gems and the rebuilding and I love how you touched on belief and self-confidence and just like not doubting yourself because we can think like it's not working because it's something I'm doing but when you know that you know yep. that what you're delivering is quality it's God assigned um, yeah. sometimes it's just that you have to wait it is the timing so yeah, I thank yeah. you for sharing that and for being so transparent because um, we see the success stories, but we don't, and we're often comparing ourselves like, okay, I'm trying to get to where she is. Okay. Right. But where she was compared to where <laughs> you are right now, that's where you need to be focused through. You're in your first 10 months. So trying right. to get where she is, is like you trying to get over the hump of the 10 months, not seeing this person 20 years later into their business. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sharing that. Yeah. Um, tell the people, where can they can find you if they want to connect with you? Where are you on social media? More about your business, what you offer? Yes, 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 yes. Well, um, my webpage is McMurtry Financial Services. So McMurtry is M-C-M-U-R-T. 
tryfinancialservices.com um, and just kind of shares all of the services we provide, accounting and bookkeeping services, um, provide tax preparation services for small businesses, nonprofit organizations. Um, we do business consulting. If there's a project, you need us to come in, assess your um, financial processes, procedures, how you're um, doing your bookkeeping and financial management. We come in, we do that. We give you a game plan that you can move forward on. Uh, we give you policies and procedures that you can utilize and implement for your organization. And then the financial education, which I love, love, love out in the community, community-based organizations, churches, civic organizations, we hold our own workshops that we host now every quarter, um, just help getting business owners and organizational leaders the information they need to um, do what they do successfully and manage their finances of their businesses well. I'm on all of the social media platforms, Facebook, um, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, just look up McMurtry Financial Services. You'll see me there. I'm on Twitter. And so um, I'm trying to be out everywhere I can. Just... I see you. You be posting. You be consistent. <laughs> <laughs> trying to give a little touch here and there just to let you know I'm out here to support, to help, to, to come alongside you is what I always say. I like to come alongside and partner with um, business owners and um, organizational leaders to do what they do. And so that's where you can find me. I'm locally here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I have clients in Arizona, Maryland, New York. I've got Illinois, Kansas City, Missouri. So we're a national organization. So um, location doesn't hinder us. Thank God for great technology. And so we are here to serve you. So thank you so much for this opportunity, Tamika. I would love to come back and talk money too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we want to talk about money. We, we yes. Talk about some money. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I hope everyone listening has gained several gems. I have a page front and back full of oh, notes this helped me with my own journey it's like yeah i need to do this and that's a good takeaway and this yay. helps with my mindset so this has even been beneficial for me so thank you so much and until next time we will catch you here on fancy fruit and remember i want to see you live your delicious life and until next time this has been tamika smith and our special guest cheryl mcmurtry thank you so awesome This has been another episode of the Fancied Fruit Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to give a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform you're listening to, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and more. And if you need some more good vibes and support throughout the week, you can find Fancy Fruit on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube where I give daily motivation and encouragement for you to not quit and keep pushing. Remember, God wouldn't give you the vision if it weren't possible. As your host, I'll be back in two weeks with another dose of transparency, inspiration, and encouragement to help you build your resilience, grow your confidence, and motivate you to keep going. 
Until next time, keep working to manifest your business because I'm your biggest cheerleader and I want to see you win.